But church, one thing that's really impacted me about this ministry is, is the hallmark of God's presence on this house. Amen? Um, that's, that is what really drew me to your leaders, to, to Jared and Vicky and, and the team and to this house. What really drew me to you guys is, is that hallmark of, of the Holy Spirit on your house. You shouldn't shy away from that. But I believe the Lord wants to say to you that, that you need to press into that more. Amen. Because here's the deal. You know, the Bible says, it's, this is a Christian cliche, and it, it could be a fridge magnet that we, we put on the fridge, but this is significant in the Word of God. It says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now... That's a really, really well-known verse, but I think it's a significant verse for this house because um, this was the prophet Zechariah speaking to Zerubbabel in his day and age. So God sent a prophet to say to Zerubbabel, who was a church builder, who was busy with the, with the, you know, the toing and froing and coming and going with administrating and building a ministry, God wanted to say to him, hey... It's not by mind. It's not by your flesh that things are going to get done in this ministry. It's going to be by the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't get busy. Pick up, a, you know, put out a chair, you know, pick up something and, and, and help administrate the work. But what that does mean is, is the fact that there's going to be an ease and a grace about your ministry that's going to help to get the work done. And I, I think that's the thing that, I've heard in my spirit as I've been leading you in worship this morning, I've just heard that, that scripture, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And you know what? Zerubbabel finished the work. You know, prior to the, the prophet coming, he'd had a 12-year hiatus whereby he would got distracted and got off doing his own thing building other things and, and fending off enemies that he shouldn't have really had his eye on anyway. He should have just been getting on with the work of God. Sometimes that can happen in our churches, our lives, our ministries, because we do live in a pretty hasty society. Can I get a witness? I should have my hanky. Um, but it's, it's a reality, particularly in this day and age. Oh, sorry, what's your name again, sir? Bill. What Bill said really impacted me uh, in terms of going to Argentina. Yeah, there's a passion there, but I believe there's a passion here as well. Amen. That we need to consistently, continuously stir up among, you know, people didn't come to see Jesus. I was praying this this morning. People didn't come to see Jesus because he was handsome. The, the Bible says there was no form nor comeliness that we should desire him or be attracted to him. He wasn't George Clooney. A lot of people think he was, but he wasn't. He was just a normal, run-of-the-mill kind of guy. But what Jesus had on him and through him was the spirit without measure. And wherever Jesus went, things happened. You know, it was dangerous hanging around Jesus because you didn't know whether he was going to mess up a funeral and raise someone from the dead or offend a, a Pharisee, the religious, who were so, you know, uh, so fixed on every I dotted and every T crossed. No, Jesus just wanted to help people, but he did it in the power of the Spirit. That's why people came from miles around to see him, and that 
is why people will be drawn to you and drawn to this house because of what you carry, this precious Holy Spirit. And lastly, with a few minutes that, that I've been given this morning, I just want to encourage you by also saying, you know, the, the hallmark of, of King David's kingship was based around presence and not position. And so often we try to chase position first instead of the presence of God. And we, we end off, end right up off the track. Amen? You know, David failed bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. He failed bringing it into the heart of Israel the first time because he hit a pothole. And he put the, the most precious thing in the world on the back of a cart, pulled along by oxen. It hit a pothole like we can in life. We can hit lots of potholes. Amen? And get our eyes off the Lord. Uzzah tried to stabilize the ark and he died because he reached out to touch something that was, you know, that was holy. And God is to be reverenced. He is a, the king of kings. Amen. There's an approach to God. There is a protocol to God. We just can't come willy-nilly and expect him to bless us. There has to be reverence and there has to be honor because he's God. Amen. And besides him, there is no other. But David eventually brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the heart of Israel, and it was that that set him apart. From every other nation on the planet, from every other king, it was David's heart after the Lord that God loved. Not how cool he looked, not, not how fast he could throw a stone. No, no, no. It was, it was what was backing the man. And it's what's backing you and who is backing you that is most important. And just lastly, you know, David celebrated when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the heart of Israel. The Bible says that he danced with all of his might. And I believe that that dance was a prophetic dance. It was dancing on the back of ceremony and pomp and tradition and everything that had historically gone on under the under the mantle of an unspiritual leader called Saul. Amen. David was ushering in something brand new and something fresh that the people could enjoy. Somebody say amen. But his wife didn't like it. There will always be a fight on for your freedom in the Holy Ghost. There will always be a fight on for your liberty in God. The devil wants to cripple every one of your spiritual walk with God. Amen? He wants to lock you up. He wants to put you in a box. And he wants to make you ineffective. But I think we're a bit stronger than that today. Can I hear an amen? David would not be castrated in the spirit. He would not be castrated as a man. And he stood up in the face of adversity and he said a few things. When he got home, he spoke to his wife who had despised him for flowing in a certain manner. And she said to him, she said, you are like one of those commoners today. You are like one of those base fellows. You're like one of those chavs from such and such a postcode. Basically, she was trying to, trying to downgrade what had happened that day. And David just said three things. I'm going to finish with this. David said, he said, honey... It was before the Lord. So what I did today wasn't trying to impress you, so don't flatter yourself. 
was basically what he was saying. I pray that every one of us continues to please God and get your eyes off man because man will love you one moment and hate you the next. We can be really fickle sometimes, can't we? People can. You know, we can try to tame each other, and I pray that that would not happen in our lives. So David said, hey, babe, it was before the Lord. And then he said, number two, who chose me to be king over Israel rather than your father. I bet that went down like a lead balloon. (laughs) But David was separating himself from what had happened in the past and was coming into line with his future and who he was. So basically he was saying to his wife, and I believe this was a God conversation with the enemy. It was bigger than just their conversation. Amen. This was about the Holy Ghost. And this was about the blessing of God. And he said, who chose me? David knew who he was. And he knew he was chosen. Question, do you know that you're chosen? Or do you think that you've been chosen by people? I'm here to say God has chosen you, handpicked you for himself. Amen. Never, ever forget that. So it was before the Lord who chose me. Amen. David knew who he was. And then the last thing he said was, I will become even more undignified than this. So he was saying, if you think what I did today to usher the presence of God in was bad, if you think my dancing was crazy, my giving, my extravagance, my freedom, my liberty, he was saying, honey, I'm going to get a whole lot worse and I don't think you're ready for it. Um, Basically, he was just trying to say, I'm a free man, and don't try to tame me nor lock me up. Amen. And I really, really pray that would continue to be the heartbeat of Revived Church in these last few minutes. You know, I I just, you said consecration, James. Or was it Steve? Like a re-consecration. I believe we need to make a re-consecration to God today and just say, God, I'm all yours. God, I know I've got distracted. Maybe I've gone wayward and I've got my eyes fixed on stuff that doesn't really matter about what he said or she said or they did or what might happen or what did happen. So often we can get sidetracked by people or by circumstances or by adversity. But I believe God wants us to come up a little bit higher today and see him for who he is in the light of his glory, in the light of his promise and his presence, and to rededicate ourselves today to the Lord, to say, Father, it's not by might, nor by power. I know it's by your spirit. In you I live. In you I move. In you I have my being. In you my joy is found, not in my circumstances. Hallelujah. It's in you and through you and for you. And I just believe in my heart, I want to say that again to God, in front of you and in front of him today. And I just want to feel that sweet touch again in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.